Hello, WizKids, and welcome to a very, very special edition of our podcast, Off the Bench. Joining us now with my two co-hosts of Zach Rosen and Jeremy Hyman is the gentleman we like to call the legend. <laughs> Phil Chenier is joining us on the show, everybody. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an extra special day because it was announced that Phil will really be a legend as his jersey will be retired and also the microphone as he has done the uh, color for the Washington Bullets and Wizards for a long time. Uh, so I feel like you've doubled down on your career of playing the game <laughs> and then calling the game. Welcome, Phil. Thanks a lot. Thank you all. Uh, it's been a special day. It's just gotten better and better. It's uh, I, I was watching from outside of the glass um, for, for those of you who will hopefully see it at some point. But while before he filmed this, um, he did a special show called Level With Me that you've seen on Monumental Sports Network. Bradley Beal and Phil Chenier did a level with me with each other. And uh, Brad was level with you in letting you know for the first time that it yeah, will be job. retired. Your jersey will be retired. What was that feeling like? Uh, I, I tell you, Jamoka, it was really kind of uh, a numbing kind of effect. I, 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 I think I did ask him at one point, uh, are you serious? <laughs> um, and just I, I think you had I had flashbacks of being out there on the floor. I had flashbacks of, of seeing some of the other numbers retired had flashbacks of, of Buck talking about the number being retired. Uh, so just, you know, it seemed like it lasted a long time. And there were moments when I just felt uh, the emotions within me coming up to a certain level. Um, and like I said, I can't, I can't say enough about Bradley, uh, the way he set it up. It was that was probably the best way to to get that kind of information yeah i mean you're gonna be the fifth the fifth number up there number 45 just a yeah. special moment for sure yeah and i think the way that bradley was involved with it was just a, yeah. a great touch shout out to hunter lockman i know that was his idea the two guard um, presenting it to the two guard exactly yeah just yeah. from generation to generation yeah. uh i mean initial moment you you, you go back to your playing days what what exactly is it? Just seeing the fans out on the court when you were playing the championship. I mean, what all goes through your head? I, I think it so much of it, and it goes by in the in, a, in the blink of an eye, so to speak. I think of my first couple couple of games playing at the Civic Center. There weren't a lot of people there, but to me, it was a big crowd, and I was playing at a professional level. I was playing for the Bullets. Uh, Gus Johnson was there. Uh, the first game I played, you know, Earl was there. Uh, Jack Marin, um, Wes Sunsell, um, you know, and then then I think about us making the transition to the Capitol Center. Elvin coming, playing with Elvin, uh, Kevin Porter. Um, you know, you think about all those moments you had on the floor with your teammates. I think that's the most gratifying situation you think of is is the moments you spent with your teammates and those moments of not knowing the outcome and and being in there talking about what you wanted to do in situations talking about uh, how you were going to stop the other team or whatever you're going to do, but collectively having that, that attitude, that mindset that, okay, collectively, together, we're going we're gonna to make this happen. I think about all those moments. Um, I think about players like Nick Weatherspoon. I don't know why Nick just came to, to mind, you know, God rest his soul. Uh, Louis Nelson, um, you know, course later on it was Dave Bing Larry Wright Truck Robinson um, you know all of those experiences are kind of come together and just like a, a movie going in my mind and it takes all of five seconds um, 
So it's an incredible, incredible feeling. And uh, I mean, guys, you know yourself, I, I just heard it what 10 minutes ago and i'm still (laughs) you know it's the initial reaction right here yes yes it is it really is um i I haven't even told my kids yet so (laughs) first to market off the bench before the kids (laughs) 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 Um, but no phil i mean that's that's i i mean i love this because it is so raw and i you know i've gotten to know you over the last couple of years since i've been here and I just know you as a broadcaster, um, and I just know that, you know, the dedication you put in for and what you mean to this organization, not just from your great days of, you know, the, the all the great moments you had on the court, but the, the moments you've had over the years building relationships with the players and the fans and this, this Wizards organization. So when I found out the news, I just... I mean, I was so overjoyed for you, and then now that you actually get to hear it yourself, I just want you to know how... Just how hard it was to make it all summer <laughs> without bringing it up every time we saw you. Yeah, that's definitely. I have true. passed by your office a couple of times, and, and I, I've been able to try to just keep to think it. I could have really gotten this out of you. I just had to, I had to poke, poke you a little bit harder, and I could have gotten this information a lot sooner. Oh no, Phil, you know, you know, I'm the toughest guy to spill to spill that's out true. any that's kind true. of any kind that's of true. kind of info like that. But I, I guess my question for you, Phil, is just between all the years you spent in the league and all that time, you know, with this Wizards or the Bullets at the time organization, and now, you know, the years and years you spent, you know, with Buck and with all the the CSN guys that you worked so close with, I, I guess if you if you haven't had a chance to really let this sink in yet, but what do you think that night when you get to see that jersey going up there is is kind of is that kind of all going to come back for you? Yeah. Um, that and more, um, you know, just kind of thinking about where, excuse me, where everything started. I mean, I'll go back to Willard Junior High School. Um, I'll go back to Berkeley High School. Sure. I'll go back to the University of California, Berkeley. I'll think about the teammates that I had. I'll think about my days out on Grove Street Park playing night night after night, you know, day after day. Was I playing for this moment? No, I was playing because I enjoyed it. And it gave me a sense of not only satisfaction but confidence because I was good at something. And um, I think from there I learned a little bit about that formula, about succeeding that you're going to have setbacks and you have to work through them. I'll think about um, a guy, and and I'm going to call him as soon as you guys will let me (laughs) because uh, Don Dorlag was a junior high coach that really started me. Wow. Like I said, sometimes emotions really come down. And I think you put it all together. So going to your question of that night, I don't know. I know my emotions are going to be very, very strong. But I'll be very excited to see and share the moment with my family and friends. And particularly a lot of those people that helped bring me to that position where I am because as we know everything's a stepping stone no man's an island and as you make those those steps forward there's always somebody there to to either pull you forward or push you up and uh, I've certainly had that in my life and that's I'm sure what I'll be thinking about but um, right now we'll we'll just (laughs) keep it light (laughs) and, and in keeping it light you know, we're not just celebrating you, but we're going to be celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Washington Bullets Championship during the 77-78 season. I had the pleasure of interviewing you for some of the special programming that you'll see on the network, in-game, Washington Wizards, uh, social media accounts as well. Um, just let's start with that. See, go before that season, just you getting drafted 
coming to this team, what was the organization like when you got here leading up to that championship season? The organization had just come off of going to the NBA Finals, losing to a Milwaukee team that had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bob Dandridge, and Oscar Robinson on that team, John McLaughlin as well. Um, So I had seen a lot of them. I saw the exciting series they had against the New York Knicks and won Game 7 in the Garden. So I'm watching that as a college student, not knowing that within six months I'm going to be amongst those guys there. So I get here, um, you know, in a roundabout way, uh, I see Gus Johnson, I see Earl Monroe, I see Freddie Carter, I see uh, Kevin Lockery, Jack Marin, uh, Wes Unsell. All these guys are there. And to a man, they all were very accepting of me. And that's kind of in the, at the professional ranks, that's where everything really started for me uh, because I felt accepted. You know, um, some of it may have been because of my basketball skills, but a lot of it still, I had a long ways to go. So a lot of it has to do with them deciding to kind of nurture a young 20-year-old kid out of Berkeley, California. I think of Gene Shue pulling me aside and working with me. Um, he, he decided to challenge me to a one-on-one my first day after a double-day practice uh, and beat me. Could you imagine Coach Brooks challenging a player to one-on-one? Well, after going two hours actually four hours of workout <laughs> okay, you yeah. know his chances would be probably improve quite a bit you know but but Gene Shue meant a lot to me Bob Ferry uh, Bob Ferry was one of those guys that always came in especially when I was a little down on myself and he'd come in and make sure um, he'd get my confidence back to a certain level uh, then I think about the next year Kevin Porter came a guy by the name of Tom Patterson we were birth that was would have been my rookie year so it was like we were the three rookies you know trouble uh, what's that trouble no trouble no <laughs> trouble no trouble <laughs> but uh i enjoyed sharing the experience with them you know then elvin hayes came um there's just so many different spots along the way we had three great uh playoff series against the knicks unfortunately lost but again, that's all a part of developing and growing uh, your confidence, your team confidence. And uh, then the next year, 75, was when we went to the finals and we mm-hmm. thought that we had the best team. We thought we were going to do, do what we had to do. We won a seventh game series uh, against the Buffalo Braves and then we beat uh, Boston in six and then we had to wait about 10 days before we played the Warriors. Yeah. And, of course, that didn't fare well. So, um, but the interesting and the irony of of this whole weekend is going to be the fact that that was that championship year, that was the year I was hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's always been somewhat of a void. Um, Not... You know, obviously, I was very excited for the team to win. These were my teammates. Yeah. Um, And this was the organization, the only organization that I knew, um, doing something that had never been done in this franchise history. But I wasn't there. I wasn't on the floor. I wasn't Mm -hmm. uh, at practice. Um, I wasn't in the game. I wasn't in the huddle. All of those things led me to feel somewhat removed from that championship Mm -hmm. and um you know although my teammates were were very supportive and you know and and thoughtful but they had you know they had something they had to focus on and concentrate on and that's winning that championship especially game seven up in seattle which they did and um so it was a real mixture of emotion for me um, and the fact that we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of that championship team and uh, I will have my number retired just 
you know, for me, it's kind of like uh, the high and the low of it. You know, yeah. uh, it's a it's a it's a strange feeling, but I'm very happy that uh, I was still. Every time I get to see some of my old teammates, Larry Wright, um, Coppin Phil State. Walker, who's who's that? Coppin State, right? Larry White, right? Didn't he go? No, to Larry State? went to Grambling. Oh, uh, Big okay. Joe went to Coppin. Okay, that's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah, Joe, yeah, Joe yes. Pace, Joe Pace, yeah. uh, Phil Walker. Bad, you got bad. Mitch Kupchak. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Greavy. Uh, of course, I see Greavy and, and Bobby D on a fairly regular basis. Uh, we had a player that we lost uh, in Greg Ballard that uh, was a big part of that championship and big part of this organization for yeah, a long time. Yeah. As a scout, uh, uh, as we up lost. until yeah. season before last, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. But a uh, lot of lot of great memories. I'm rambling now, and that's okay. No, yeah, no, I'm having a ball. This you is can, awesome. You can go as long as you want, yeah. Phil. We, uh, we have all the time in the world. You, you do think about the team. I know it's a little bittersweet, but to think about what those individual guys mean to you, and the fact that they'll be able to be there for both, you know, raising your banner and then basically re-raising the '77, '78 banner. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just got to mean the world. Absolutely. Like I said, uh, there were mixed emotions because clearly, I mean, Wes Unsell, he was the only teammate that, I, that I've that i known, you know, mm-hmm. from start to finish. Uh, Elvin came a year later. Uh, Bobby D played against him when he was at Milwaukee, but quickly, he quickly became an integral part of our organization and our team and clearly made major contribution to get there uh you know mitch and kevin were young guys that i'd played with for a couple of years but maintaining a friendship and again that that continuity of guys that went through training camp together guys that practice i i sometimes tell the story that with dick mata you know there were times when it seemed like he wanted to see us go at each other so you know kevin uh, when I got hurt, Kevin started moving to that two position. So uh, I had gotten hurt the year before briefly. So there were times when Kevin and I would go at it pretty strong. I mean, there were times when we had to be separated, you know. <laughs> but I can truly say that, you know, probably no better friend that I have right now than Kevin Grevy. I mean, yeah. he's just an upstanding guy. We talk, we laugh whenever we get together about uh, the old days and things that happened. And again, that, that's the beauty of being a part of an organization and a, and a team for a period of time where it's family. And you, you, you look back on things that were scary or bad, sad at the time, and now you look back at them and you just kind of laugh. So, um, you know, I, I I just think of all those experiences and to have those guys back. Uh, and we lost another one, a part of our team. And this guy goes back to my college days and Charlie Johnson, um, who actually was a part of the Golden State team that stopped us from getting yeah, the championship yeah. before. <laughs> but no, we were the, we played in the backcourt at Cal for two years together. That's right. Um, he grew up not far down the road for me, uh, not far from Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we called him the little old man. The little old man? And that, <laughs> that was his title. <laughs> and and he was a captain of the team as a sophomore. What? Think about if you've ever heard that happen. I mean, no. you know. I, I mean, first thought coming to my mind is Michael Jordan at UNC maybe. What's that? That you mean captain of the team as a sophomore in college, right? I don't think I don't think Michael I don't think Jordan? Jordan was. Well we can check on that, but I yeah, don't think he right. was. Yeah. You know, because they had Worthy. Oh that, worthy yeah, was yeah, on yeah, that yeah, team. yeah, 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 yeah. I I'm not sure, but uh, Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I don't think he was at it until yeah, it's later. Yeah. I'll yeah. have to check that. A sophomore. We'll have to talk to Chris, Little old Chris man. Miller. Chris Miller's old our man. UNC guy. We'll check in <laughs> with him on that. <laughs> He'll tell you. He'll know. Oh, yeah. 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 So so where were you for game seven? Because I always at, think of this when I think of athletes, and I think it's a great poignant question for you. You did play part of that season. So I it did. wasn't like you weren't a part of that team. You helped that team win games that were meaningful that led to them winning a championship. 
but just talk about that game seven. Where were you? What was that like seeing them win it on the floor? Well, I was actually in the stands. Uh, Abe Poland uh, had a, a plane full of fans come in, and uh, I had come in with them. So I was sitting up in the stands watching. And so when that last bucket was made by Bobby D and uh, the game was over with, you know, I mean, we were all elated, you know. But I guess in my mind, what just happened? This team, they, they did what we've been trying to do for mm-hmm. since I've been here the last seven years. Yep. And, you know, an eternity for the organization. Yeah. And so some of the fans were saying, Phil, you go down to the locker room, you know. So finally I decided to do that. And I get stopped by, you know, they didn't have passes then. So yeah. the guards, we're in Seattle. They don't know me from Adam, you know. Yeah. So they said, no, you can't you can't come down here. Finally, somebody convinced them that I was one of the players. <laughs> and, and I was able to get through and went down there. And the first thing I remember seeing was uh, Larry Wright and uh, Wes. And uh, Wes, had, uh, somebody poured some champagne over Wes and, you know, um uh, I forget. It was just like a very surreal kind of situation. And um, uh, so I, I ended up I ended up going back home, back to, to the Bay Area that night, uh, flew back to, to Berkeley. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I actually actually got back home and just cried like a baby. I just couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, couldn't understand how this was happening, and and I wasn't able to be a part of it. Yeah, um, but but the team, you know, that's why I say. I mean, I don't want to just make it sound. I mean, I've had great opportunities. We've, you know, I've played with some great guys, and this was a great moment in this franchise history. So uh, we'll leave it on that a very positive note. I was watching old video of you actually playing, mm-hmm. and. What wizard on this current team would you say? Funny thing, the video I enjoyed the most was watching you play horse. And was that an all-star game or like some kind of preseason game? Oh, yeah, that was down in Atlanta. I think I was I went against John Drew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> was that all-star or some preseason it was, event? It was done in the preseason. Okay. And, they, and I think they aired it during the all-star or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What player on this current team? do you feel has, and I imagine you're going to say, I know what you're going to say, that makes you look at your game and say, he plays like I do. Who was I going to say? Bill. That was, that's a compliment for me. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, yeah. And at the, and Bradley said this too. Um, you know, we played the same position in the terms of we're the wing, you know, the two guard that, you know, and something else that I don't feel like I got enough credit for being a good defender. Mm-hmm. And I think Bradley's a good defender, and he's already stated that he wants to be the best two-way player at his position. Yeah. And um, – Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what it's going to take. Um, you know, I mean, this team is is built on their backs. I mean – I don't want to shortchange Marchin or Marquis or Otto or Kelly or any of the other guys. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But let's face it; those two are very special players, and you know if they combine, continue to combine their skills and continue to get better. I tell you what: some exciting, exciting times are ahead for this organization. I think that's that's what everyone's so excited about around this organization, the fan base, because they know what this team has just done in locking up this core. They're still these guys entering the prime of their careers who we, we you know, we've yeah. seen we watch them every night. So we see how great they can be. And that's why there is so much excitement that that we saw how close they were last year from being in the conference finals. And you hope and you think that you know, another year together, another year with this core, and it's the same guys back this year, that they can take that next leap. And that, from like a sports fan, I have, I've been talking about this all summer, that's like, that's that's what you live for, like, to watch your guys, the guys you drafted, you developed, and you see your guys that are in your city build a team together, and then, you know, and hopefully, eventually be a championship team. 
and that's why exactly what Phil is talking about it like with with the way this team can can be is is why this this city's so excited and I guess for you Phil this summer has been a crazy one really not too crazy here in DC because we other than locking up our own guys, it wasn't yeah. too wild compared yeah. to the rest of the NBA. Yeah. But I know you still follow it so closely and you're so involved. What have you been just – what have your thoughts on just kind of the craziness between the trade, but you know, Boston and Cleveland and the free agency and the movement? I mean, there was a lot of movement between some star players in the league. And so what are you – Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got Chris Paul leaving the Clippers, going to Houston. Right. I don't know how that's going to work out. There will be a dynamic backcourt. But uh, we'll see how the mixture goes. Obviously, the Cleveland and Boston – first of all, I understand Boston's position in that my understanding is that Isaiah Thomas said, next year when I come up for a contract, I'm expecting a max contract. Well. You got a guy who will have gone through hip surgery. Yeah, he's five nine. He's probably what about thirty, thirty one. Yeah. yeah. Do you really want to give a guy that max, even though he's made a major contribution to you? Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that they gave a Bradley, Avery Bradley, and Crowder. Right. I think that changes the. The, the 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 chemistry of their whole team mm-hmm. you know it, de- it definitely does um yeah, yeah yeah so uh, uh but but going back to something you said jeremy i want to i want to kind of expand on and, and you look around the teams in this league the really good teams that you think have a chance they all have a i don't want to say a star player but they have a, I, I want to say something different than franchise player. They have a player that identifies, that you identify with that team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cleveland, it was LeBron, it's LeBron. It was LeBron and Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had in L.A. with the Clippers, you had uh, Blake and Paul. And, and Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, in Houston, you got uh, Harden. Harden. You know, so... And it's not necessarily by position. Golden State, you know, you've got, you know, the, the big three. <laughs> five, five players. Five, the big well, four now, well, right? Yeah. yeah. But the the point I'm getting at is what you have is with great teams are players, a player or players that can dominate play at their position. So that means it's going to take something more than just two players to deal with those two. Well, when you take two, take one away or one and a half away from those other three players, so that leaves our other three guys, you know, going against one and a half. So now you have, you've created an advantage. Mm -hmm. And even if they overload people like John and Brad, they're still going to find ways to score. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what you're looking for. It could be at the center spot. If you had a Shaquille, uh, it could be at the forward. You're talking about a LeBron or in years past, uh, you know, Rick Barry or, or you know, mm-hmm. somebody that can just dominate the game so much. So that's what's exciting about this team. And you're right. It's like going to a camp for a week and you get a kid who's at this B level. And by the time he leaves camp on Friday, he's at an A level. Just seeing that growth, that development, that's exciting to yeah. see. And that's what we're seeing with this core group here that you mentioned. Of. And, okay, so speaking of that core group, do you think, as I have been thinking in my mind, this is really the year that Otto needs to take that big step so you can have a true big three that now you're like, who am I going to stop? I got one better than that. Yeah. I, I think Otto will. Obviously, he made the he got the big contract, certain amount of pressure, and certainly a lot of expectation on him. I think Mark Keefe is going to be wow. huge. Uh, if he has the kind of jump that we saw from Bradley, that's that's a big jump, mm-hmm. even somewhat similar to that. He can make a world of difference. And then, of course, Marchin has to continue to level off. We want to see a, a, a healthy Mahimi. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the sky's the limit, you know. You know, every, every, if I were to say this team will come out of the East, 
you'll have a lot of people say you're crazy you're just you know you're just being a homer you and and, and i would be yeah but the possibilities okay the possibilities <laughs> okay are there that's all i'm saying oh, yeah the year in 1978 we had the pieces mm-hmm. but we had not developed that type of mm-hmm. uh, of of chemistry where everybody said they will do it this year mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and then blending in bobby danrich was also you didn't know how how quickly that was going to happen mm-hmm. so you have you put the pieces together that you think can get it done and then you have to have a certain amount of vision and that's what we're talking about having that vision that this team could conceivably get to the nba finals and could surprise people yeah we know who's going to be expected to be right. there we understand that but as players you don't go along with the trends. Of course, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's the, that the exciting part is. You want to you want to ha- be a team that has a chance to do it, and I think that's what you're. You know, that's the point that this right. team that you you're flirting with that conference finals, and you never know what can happen when you get to that point. You know, you, your team gets hot. A team, you don't know, another team might a guy goes down with an injury, and you just never know. But you can't do it if you're not there. So you have to yeah. be the team that's that's in the position to be there. And that's where I think the Wizards are right now, just that one step away from taking that next leap and being a championship team. But that's a fun spot to be with a team that's as young and as you know, that's as exciting to watch for for this city. And that's that, again, is why I think people are so upbeat and ready for this 17-18 year. A lot of action coming up on the fun street at Capital One Arena yes. this season. It'll be exciting. We figured before we get into your professional career that uh, we would bring on the the I get the he wasn't your only partner on broadcast but the longest tenured partner you know we've spent 20 years on the air together and what seems like 50 years running around the streets of all over this country going to restaurants getting thrown out of cabs <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, going to the wrong uh, arenas, you know, things like that. <laughs> things like that. You know, anything that could happen. And, you know, you've always been a big supporter of mine. You've always been a big um, fan and friend. And it was because of you nagging these people, <laughs> telling them that number 45 should be up in the rafters. They finally agreed with you, so they are going to retire my jersey. Really? Yes, sir. I'm just finding this out. When did this happen? I just found out about 10 minutes ago <laughs> myself. Breaking <laughs> news, Buck. Is, uh, is, is it uh, official? Has it officially been announced? That's what I asked. To, no, it hasn't been announced yet, but... Uh, um, we, give it time. We, we don't want you breaking the story like you did with the give story, okay? <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm excited about this. This is the best news I've heard today, clearly, and in a long time. So I'm, boy, that's awesome. That's great. Congratulations, Phil. You deserve to be up there. We've been talking about this for years. And, uh, you know, the guys that are up there are really special, as you know. And, uh, you belong there with them, so that's fabulous news. That's great stuff. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, they, 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 I got to tell you how they let me know. We, I told, I, well, I just called Buck. I just called you. What about an hour or so ago? A couple of hours ago, and told you I was doing this this uh, piece with Bradley. So, right. and it's this thing where you know, like I told you that that Glenn and and Kelly Ubre did. So they have questions or topics for you to talk about, and so Bradley had the la- last topic. And he says, how would, you, how would it feel if you were to have your number retired? So I'm not thinking anything of it really at the moment. I'm thinking, oh, this is like Buck. They're putting me on the spot again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I forget what I said now. And then all Bradley, Bradley looked at me and he said, well, you don't have to worry because it's now official. Number 45 will go up into the rafters. And I think I said something like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I, wanted, 
I wanted to say the same thing you said to me when I told you I think I had the hole in one. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember it well. Yeah, you you use the same term, but you use a different word. But <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's actually a very cool way to find out. That's kind of neat. Oh, uh, it was it, Bradley did such a great awesome. job. Yeah. So yeah. we wanted to uh, make sure we pulled you in on this because you're a big part of my circle. So my initial thought just now, when Phil told me, was just elation. I, I mean, it's funny. I. I I kind of feel like a like I just had a child. I feel like, like I'm a proud father or something. I mean, it just I'm, I'm sort of beaming, you know. It's just so. Uh, should I start calling you daddy now? Yeah, you can. That's fine. Um, uh, I, no, really, I I I, I, I I'm going to wait until the official announcement, but I want to run and tell everybody because uh, you know we've been sort of uh, lobbying for this for a while even though we haven't officially lobbied for it, but we've given subtle hints on the air and off the air. And it's the right thing to do, clearly. And at some point, uh, we knew it would happen, or I did anyway. But um, I'm just I'm glad that it's happening because, as I said before, if you look at the four guys that are up there, they're all faces of the franchise, including Wes, who is the face of the franchise. They're all players who contributed mightily. They're all legends. They're all Hall of Famers. They're all great guys. And uh, when you think about this franchise, you think about those players, and, and naturally you think about Phil. So it's only right that he should be up there with these other guys, and uh, that completes, that makes it a nice, uh, a nice group of five. And, uh, you know, someday there might be more that go up there, but for now those are the guys that definitely should be there, and he's one of them. You spent most of your career with him sitting next to you uh, what stories come to mind when you think about Phil getting to know him from off the court do you have three or four hours oh yeah we're ready to go we're recording <laughs> well here's the first thing here's the first thing and, 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 and you're right I've worked it's almost my career I've been in the business uh, since 1974 so it's uh 43 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a JMU math, yeah. 20, which is amazing. Uh, but I've known him for a lot longer. Naturally, I knew of him when I was still in college and he was playing, and, and he became one of my favorite players. Uh, but then I met him, uh, albeit on a somewhat um, disenchanting uh, situation. you got to tell us this situation. Huh? Can you tell us the situation? <laughs> Phil is cracking up over here. Yeah, well, he was playing in the Summer League, which was called the Urban Coalition League, which was a big summer league around here. You know, they had one up in Philadelphia called the Baker League, and this was this was what was similar to that in Washington. And we started playing games at Roosevelt High School, which is interesting because that's where my father went to high school. It's where Bowie Kuhn went to high school. Red Auerbach was a, was a coach there, a gym teacher there. And A. Poland went to school there. And I was, I was refereeing in college. I refereed in Harrisonburg uh, with George Tolliver and some other folks. And I got to referee in the Urban Coalition League, which was huge for me because this was a big league. This was a pro league. Uh, you had scouts down there all the time. You had uh, John Thompson was there every, every weekend. And it was, the, it was as close to professional basketball as I ever got, and, it's, and it gave me some great training. And all these really good teams, uh, different entities had teams in the league. University of Maryland had one with a bunch of ex-players or guys that were just getting ready to go into Maryland. You couldn't play if you were in school, but if you were coming in or you had graduated, you could play. And then the Bullets had a team in the league, which was awesome. It had, you know, Phil played and Truck Robinson and Joe Pace and Kevin Greavy and um, you know, a lot of guys played in this league. It was just a fabulous league. And that's the first time I encountered Phil on a personal level um, <laughs> and uh, again it wasn't as pleasant as I had hoped it would be because here's my my kind of my role model my idol at the time and um, he didn't completely 100% agree with a call that I made which to this day I remember as being an absolute perfect call <laughs> uh, but you know these players man they don't agree with any, with any call that's made against them and uh, Phil had uh, some choice words for me, and 
you know, I was stunned because, A, here's my, my role model uh, spewing these, uh, you know, words that I didn't ever thought would come out of his mouth. <laughs> so I ignored it. I was, I was so shocked. I was like, I, I wanted to turn my back and act like it didn't happen, which I sort of did until he said it to me again. <laughs> and then when he said it to me for the second time, my referee blood came through and I had to whack him with a technical foul. <laughs> so you can imagine that that's, that's basically affected me my entire adult life <laughs> is having to call a technical foul. On You're going to blame me for so all of your problems. This guy doesn't like me at all anyway. <laughs> and uh, whatever. And, then, you know, years went by, obviously, because this was back in the, in the 70s. And, um, and I'm thinking, you know, uh, wow. That's, but I still I didn't like him any less, and I, I still loved him as a player and cheered for him. And then when I got to Channel 5 and started doing some uh, substitution games for um, – Mel Proctor, who had other duties in different sports, uh, I got to work with Phil for the first time. I don't know if I reminded him of that Urban Coalition League game right away, or if he even <laughs> remembered. He probably did, knowing him. And uh, that's when I got to work with him. So for me, you can imagine what this is like for me to um, be have, having followed him since I was in college and he had just been started in the pros. And, and follow that amazing career to now getting to a chance to work with him. And then when I finally started doing the, the Bullets, uh, you know, officially after Channel 5 in 1997, that was, I had to pinch myself because, uh, you know, I mean, even to this day, after 20 years, I still can't believe that this guy who was such a, uh, you know, uh, made an impact on my life as a fan and a, and a young man, that I was working with him. I mean, the guy's a Bullets legend, and I'm working with him. And, and so that's sort of how I view the whole thing. I, it still amazes me. There, there's a Hardwood Classics. I know you've seen these shows, Hardwood Classics. Yeah. And the Bullets were playing Golden State. And in this Hardwood Classic, uh, Phil is playing in this game. And there's a uh, play where Mike Reardon goes to the basket, and he lays up lays it up and he gets pushed and he goes sliding out of bounds and he slides into this guy who's sitting on the baseline sitting on the floor watching the game and that guy was me <laughs> <laughs> and I had gotten a semi bogus press pass from a guy named Mark Prey who was a PR guy and who was very nice to me and I was I would come up from Harrisonburg Virginia where I was going to college and I would come up with a little Instamatic camera and wow. sit on the baseline with a press pass. And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, who would have ever thought that in this game where Phil Chenier is playing and I'm sitting on the baseline, that someday we would work together hand in hand. So yeah. that, that to me is really amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible stuff. And, and Buck, uh, I'll say this. With that story, it just shows you brought out the best and the worst of me. <laughs> You're right. The best and the worst in you. And I, look, we brought out the best and the worst in each other, clearly. And, uh, Jamoki, that's, that's, just, that's just one story. There are many others. Phil alluded to them earlier, but have we told the, the taxi cab story yet? Yeah, Phil. Uh, that, that was and a classic. That was a did classic. Did he tell you the story about the, the hotel room in, uh, was it Philadelphia or Toronto? Where were we? Oh, it was Philadelphia where, you know, you asked about my room. Yes. And uh, uh, I told you I had a, he asked me, because he, he's so, he, he's so nosy about what somebody <laughs> has. So what what do you have in your room? I said, I got a suite. He said, you're kidding me. Not using the word kid either. So I said, yeah. And I was right next to him. Right next to his room. In fact, I had taken his feathered pillows because the guy would bring. That's how I knew where he was. So before I could hang the phone up, I heard his door slam. I had given him a room about 10 floors up. So, you know, we go. I go down to the bar because he knows we were going to meet down there. And he comes back to the bar and he goes right to me with his finger pointing. He said, you... As Elvin would say, you little rascal, 
He didn't call me a little rascal, though. But <laughs> what had happened was he gives me this false room, and I go running up to this room because I am dying to see this suite and this jacuzzi that he's got. And how did he get this room? And I go up there and I'm pounding on the door. Now it's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And I'm pounding on this door, and Phil, Phil, and I'm pounding on the door, and the door cracks open ever so slowly, and there's this 82-year-old man standing there. And she says, yes, can I help you? And I said, Phil, you blankety-blank. And so that was one of the, that was a great one. That was a great one. And then there was the one, speaking of hotel rooms, where... I'm proud to say I'm I'm the, uh, the the first person that informed Phil that he was a grandfather for the first my, time. My first, that's oh, right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And I didn't. Wow. It wasn't meant to be that way. But his daughter Adele called me. We were in Seattle, and yeah, apparently yeah. she had been trying to call Phil. The phone was ringing three feet from his head. He could sleep through an absolute tornado, <laughs> and the phone was ringing, and he didn't hear it. So she calls me. Now, this is 6 a.m. She calls me, and she says, Buck, do you know where Phil is? I said, yeah, he's right across the hall from me. She said, well, could you go over there and get him up because we just had a baby? Wow. So I put on this bathrobe, and I go across the hall, and I'm hair, banging on the door. Hair disheveled, hair all <laughs> over the place. Yeah, he's... <laughs> And I'm banging and I'm banging, and finally Phil comes to the door. And I said, "Phil, you just had a uh, grand, your first grandchild. Congratulations!" And then I turned around and went back to the room. <laughs> that's, that's not quite how it went. But no. <laughs> he pounds on the door, so I look out the peephole. First of all, I see this crazy, angry man, <laughs> and so I'm not opening the door. I'm saying, "Yeah," like the 82 year old lady said, "You know, yes." <laughs> He said, why don't you answer your phone? Your daughter just had a baby girl. It's seven pounds, three ounces, and you need to call him. And he turns around. That was it. <laughs> hey, he I was, delivered the message. He was not happy. He was not happy. I don't know why, but most of our stories seem to center around hotels. But it's just hotels, restaurants, and cabs and arenas. And that's sort of what we've done for the last 20 years. But, um, um you know, it's just it's just funny how that all works out. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and what was the cab story? Uh, the cab story we've told many times on the air, but I'll, I'll say it again. So we're in Indianapolis. We're only about six blocks away from the arena, but we've got bags and stuff. So uh, this is one of the few times I'm in the cab first. Usually Buck's waiting for me. So uh, I'm sitting there, but Buck's checking out. And he, he's having this conversation. He's not real happy with the checkout person. They've Some kind of way they've done something wrong. I sit in the cab. The cabbie is a little irritated that he has to wait. You know, he's a good old boy. Buck gets in. He's got a can of Coke. He's rushing. He's irritated. And he's got a can of Coke and a candy bar. So as soon as we get in, we said, we want to go to the such-and-such arena in Indianapolis. So the guy looks through his rearview mirror, as he look, and he keeps looking back as he's moving on. Mm-hmm. Buck's drinking, and, you know, I could tell that he was irritated, something about when he checked out. We get about halfway there, about three blocks away. guy says, normally I don't, uh, I don't allow anybody to eat my cab, you know. <laughs> oh, now... Boy. In Buck's defense, the cab reeked of cigar smoke. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, when I got in, I, I could smell it, you know, just, you know. And I'm thinking, Buck's going to say something. <laughs> I, I know he's going to say something. And sure enough, he says, uh, well, I didn't know. You know, you should have said something. He said, hell, you got that nasty smelling cigar. I figured I could do anything in this cab. <laughs> I jerked the car. That's it. That's it. Get out of my cab. Get out of my cab. Buck said, what? You heard me. Get out of my cab. Now, meanwhile, I'm sitting right behind the cabbie. I haven't said a word, but I'm seeing all this unfold. And now I'm frozen because do I go with Buck or, you know, what do I do? Well, the cabbie answered that. He turns around to me and says, and you too. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
mean, it was classic. Sir was sitting there. He wouldn't even look the guy in the eye because he just, you know, he was praying that he might not have to get out of the cab. And he didn't want any part of whatever I was doing. And the guy looked right at him and said, and you too? And the two of us got out of the cab, and luckily we were only about a block from the arena at this yeah, point. Yeah, and we walked yeah. the rest of the way. But, I mean, just I- insanity. Another, another cab story, uh, we're in Columbus, uh, Georgia, uh, Columbus, Ohio, doing a preseason game, That's Wizards a, and yeah, Cavaliers. I remember that one. And the game was at the Schottenstein Center out at Ohio State. Now, we're staying at this hotel. Uh, it was a Marriott or a Holiday Inn or something like that. And... There's a hockey team there. The New York Rangers were there because they were playing the Columbus Blue, Blue Jackets, Jackets or whatever they are. Yeah. And um, so we saw these hockey guys walking around. They have a very distinct look. So you knew they were hockey players. And um, Phil and I jump in the cab to go to our basketball game. And the, the bellman says to the cabbie, you know, got to you know, take them to the arena and all. So we're in the back of the seat. And we drive about five minutes, a few blocks and we get to this arena, and we pull in, and they let us out, and we walk up to the um, security table. They have a little table there where they inspect all your stuff. And the woman looks at us, and she says, are you here for a hockey game? <laughs> I don't know why. We, I guess we didn't look like hockey people. <laughs> and she says, are you here for a hockey game? I said, hockey game? She said, yeah, there's a hockey game here tonight. The cabbie took us to the wrong arena. The arena, which was at Ohio State, was about a 45-minute drive yeah, away. Yeah, we had what? a ways to go. Yeah. yeah, I mean now, and I and I think to my and luckily we were able. It was Columbus, Ohio. We were able to get the same cabbie to come right back and pick us up yeah. and take us out to the Schottenstein Center where we got there on time. But could you imagine had we gone through security, gone into the press room, looked yeah. around at all these strange people, wondering <laughs> where the rest of our crew was? Right, right. Gotten on the phone with our crew and said, "Where are you guys?" And they said, "Well, where are you guys?" They said, well, we're at the arena. I said, "Well, we're at the arena." I mean, had we walked out onto the floor, which of course would have been ice, yeah. <laughs> and then we, did, we would have known we were in the wrong arena. So luckily, it didn't get that far. But uh, that was just crazy. But you know, look, we we just spent so much time together. We took care of each other. Uh, you may, you know, because you have to. I mean, you know, your partners, like cops or partners, or you know. Uh, other other entities, you know, like your wife, you know, your wife and your husband. You well, know, well, you, you well, got a partnership going. Well, speaking of taking care, I do have to mention the time we were in Detroit, and I had that swollen ankle and swollen knee. I mean, I I, I had I had gout, and it had gotten to it had reared up to such a point where I was in excruciating pain. So I go to my room. They actually wheelchaired me to my room. Uh, I we called got in the, there late. We got in there you know, yeah, after a game. Yeah, there was so a was game. That, yeah. And uh, about 2, 3 in the morning, I called the trainer. Who was the trainer then? It wasn't. Uh, what year was this? Uh, this, oh, this was uh, about 10 or 15 years ago. So it oh, wasn't okay, Eric okay. Waters. Yeah. Was, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, okay, that's a little before me. So, so anyway, line bottom line was they had shoot around the next that that next morning and so he said you know i can prescribe you some 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 painkillers but i already had that i said i got to go to the hospital mm-hmm. he said i can't you know I, I can't take you there so i said well let me call buck so first of all <laughs> buck is usually up at four in the morning so yeah. <laughs> he had just gone to bed though i think but he didn't hesitate he didn't bat an eye he said, okay, I'll meet you down in 10 minutes. I'd called the, the concierge. They sent a wheelchair up. They got a cab for me, jumped in the cab to go to the hospital. And I am there in excruciating pain. And uh, I'm laying on the, the, the cot there waiting for it to be serviced. I look over. This is before Buck got married now, I should okay, mention. Okay. Uh, and who, what is he doing? He's talking to the nurse, getting numbers. <laughs> I said, I'll be doggone. Got to do something to entertain yourself at the hospital. It was late. It was 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. At this point, it's like 5 or 6. It was, yeah. And we stayed. We were there the whole night. He didn't leave until 10 o'clock the next morning when they drained his knee. Drained the knee. That's right. And we got back to the hotel. 
Now it's like noon. We, I don't even think either one of us really took a nap or anything. We might have taken a little bit. And then we got to the arena, and we were both just completely exhausted. <laughs> and we just looked at each other and said, you know what, man, let's just get through this game. As, <laughs> let's just get through it. And uh, then we can, you know, collapse afterwards. But let's let's do what we got to do and get through this game. And we did. But it was a heck of a day and night. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Buck, can you can you tell us about? I know we've had a lot of great dinners together on the road. <laughs> with, uh, I guess, explained your uh, your reservation process that you come <laughs> up with over the years. Well, I don't know if you want to share that publicly, <laughs> or if, or if you can share at least your uh, your post dinner uh, bill, uh, guessing well, guessing the bill, which yeah. uh, I know. How many have Phil won? And how many times has Phil won that? <laughs> well, well, as long as this doesn't go to Utah, he's all right, right? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Was Mr. Johnson or Harris? Mr. Harris, yeah, Mr. Harris. <laughs> the Harris party. Yeah, that's just kind of a look. I don't have any real secret. We, 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 I just will say this: if I don't make a reservation for the rest of our crew, then we're eating at you know um, IHOP or you know some other place like um, you know one of these Lone Star Steakhouse or something like that. Uh, so it's up to me. It's up to me, and that's a good thing because I know all the good restaurants in all the big cities. Uh, but if I don't make those reservations, we're not eating there. So they, these guys rely on me to do that, and I don't mind doing it. What I mind doing is making the reservation and then having two or three of them say, ah, oh, I'm not going to go. <laughs> uh, that, that makes me mad. But at any rate, um, so in Utah, we go to this one place that's sensational. It's one of the best Italian restaurants in the country, which is hard to believe for Salt Lake City, but it is. <laughs> No, it's good. And, no, uh, it's good. We go yeah. there, and uh, the, the very first time we went, uh, the concierge sent us over there, and we had no idea what we were getting into. And we get there, and there's like 50 people outside waiting to get in. <laughs> I mean, the place is packed. And um, I just went up and said, uh, uh, we're from the Grand America Hotel, which is the big hotel in Salt Lake City. It's a beautiful hotel. And uh, I said... Um, uh, it's, it's the Harris Party, <laughs> Harris Party of Eight, and they've called over from the Grand America to, um, I might have said Dr. Harris, I'd always help. I think you did. I think it was Dr. Harris, you're right. Yeah. And um, they were very nice. They, they couldn't find the reservation. I can't imagine why, but they couldn't find it. And uh, then they, they said, you know, let me, let me check, you know, check with the hotel, whatever. And I guess they figured we were legit, and they, they got us in there. It doesn't always work, but it got us in there. <laughs> and then afterwards, we've just come up with this little game we play where we try to guess the total bill, um, just for yucks. Nobody, the person that wins doesn't get anything, or you don't have to buy anybody dinner. But we just do it because we have nothing else to do. <laughs> you know, it gives us a small measure of, of you know, satisfaction. Of yeah. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> I will say this: I don't think Phil's very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. I, I, I could count on one hand in twenty years the number of times he's won that game. And hey, Buck, I don't know why. Buck, I but, won the uh, last one. one. The last meal we had. Very good at it, and I'm pretty good at it. And Dave Johnson. Even though we poo-pooed him when he ate with us <laughs> one time, he's eaten with us in 20 years. He guessed it. So uh, that's did. just a little game we play. Just yeah. something stupid. Phil, Phil said he he won the last one. The last you know, one in Atlanta. Did, so I you guess remember? it would be the sixth time. In that's poignant. Years. Went out with a went out with a bang, baby. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, look, you just—it's funny, man. You get to you get to know somebody so well. And again, I never thought I would. You get to know them beyond what you think about them as an athlete or whatever. You know, we, we see these athletes, we put them on this pedestal, we worship them, we love them, we revere them, we think they're so great, and they are. They're, it's cool because as fans, that's what we do. But being in the business that we're in, sometimes we develop relationships with these athletes, and then they become more than athletes, they become real people. And you get to know them as people. I'm fortunate to, to have that with, with a lot of former Redskins that I covered when I was at Channel 5. Jeff Bosick is one of my closest friends. Babe Laufenberg. Uh, all of these guys. Joe Jacoby. You know, Riggins to this point. All these guys that were just, I covered 
but now I know them in a, on a very personal way, Theismann the same way. And Phil was like that, you know. So at mm-hmm. this point, I don't even, the only time I think of him as an athlete is when I see video of him. Now he's just, he's a friend, you know, he's a really yeah. close personal friend. And that's just even better. That's, that's icing on the cake for me. So it's, it's, an, it's a unique um, relationship that you develop with some of these people. And to have what we've had to the point where we know what each other's thinking during a broadcast, sometimes I'll just look at him and he'll look at me. And we know that what we're thinking, even though it's something we probably couldn't say on the air, but we know <laughs> each other's thoughts. And it's just, uh, you know, look, we had some really good chemistry. At least that's what people tell us. And um, uh, it was just it's so easy. It was so easy to do a broadcast with him. It's just so easy to be with him because he's just a real easy, easygoing guy to the point where he's late, you know, 99 out of 100 times. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's another story. But, um, uh, you know, he's just such an easygoing guy. I've been getting better, though, Buck, right? Yeah, you're getting a little better okay. in your older age. <laughs> but, you know, you have people say, well, what, you, know, um, you know, is it difficult to work with – is it difficult to be with somebody like that for six months? Well, the fact of the matter is – if you have a problem being with somebody for six months like that, then you're not going to be with them for very long. Mm-hmm. And I will say that our whole crew, that our traveling crew, uh, and even the folks we work with at home, uh, really get along very well. And, again, you couldn't do it for half a year with somebody if you didn't like them, genuinely. Yeah. And, uh, and so I look forward to the season, you know, to be with Phil and the rest of the guys. And, um, you know, clearly I'm going to be very... Uh, it's going to be very tough not not being with him for every game, and um, but certainly I'll be thinking about him for every game because there'll be something that reminds me of him every every single night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Well, Buck, thank you very much for joining us. I know you have one special meal coming for Phil's at some point in the near future. Now that Absolutely. you know the news. Yeah, you make the reservations. Okay. <laughs> As usual. I'll be happy to. You just make sure you show up. Okay, th- thank you very much, Buck. All right, All right. I'll talk care. to you soon, Buck. Bye. So, Phil, I tell you what, it's been quite a quite a podcast. We really appreciate you really coming has. on with We've us. We've covered uh, everything from yeah. top to bottom and everything yeah. in between. What uh, I guess if we can wrap it up, just talking about – what you did this summer and your future plans of uh, being with Monumental Sports Network and continuing to cover basketball? Well, uh, you know, did a couple of camps for uh, Wizard Camps that I really enjoyed doing. I couldn't, you know, I can't run and shoot and jump like I used to, but I can talk. So (laughs) that's pretty much what I did. But it's fun to go to these camps and watch these kids, especially those that love playing basketball. Mm-hmm. that uh, like to be competitive. Uh, took a couple trips, uh, went down to Hilton Head just before the hurricane, so that wasn't an issue. And uh, getting ready to go out to the West Coast to see some old friends, high school and college friends, so looking forward to that. Uh, you asked me one other thing that I forgot. See, About I'm, Monumental Sports Network, that you're going oh, to yeah, be involved yeah. Monumental Sports Network. Well, I'm looking forward to that, and that's what I came in here for, was <laughs> yeah. to do that, and <laughs> I got uh, got a boomerang uh, <laughs> back on me, a very positive and very wonderful boomerang, though, with the news. But uh, looking forward to, you know, still interacting with these guys. Uh, as I told uh, Bradley earlier, and I wasn't just saying that, um, you know, he and John are the leaders of this team, but they've got some other really good character guys uh, on this team. Jason Smith, you know, Otto Porter, Kelly, you know, you can go right marching, you can go right down the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that, that you know, recognize other people than just the 12 players. There was a time in this organization where you had players that didn't see Buck or myself, didn't see Chris or, or yeah. Rich, uh, the you know producers, direct, didn't see Dave and, and, and Glenn. You know, I mean, they just saw the players. That's the only ones they spoke to. But, you know, this, this thing is bigger than just the 12 players. Obviously, they are the focal points, no question about it. But you've got secretaries, you've got assistants, you've got assistant coaches, you've got trainers, you've got so many other people that are trying to make things easy 
and accessible for them to do what they do so well. Mm-hmm. And I think these players get that. They understand that. They're respectful to other people. They speak to people. Um, they certainly engage the fans, which is, is a big part of it. And you don't yeah. always feel like being in, engaged, but, you know, like Bradley said, it's part of the territory. That's, that's absolutely right, and that's uh, that's a great – I mean, that's just just more – great analysis from from one of the best in the business here that we've got on on our (laughs) pod um yeah and it's like i said this whole day has been it's been so special for all of us here in the organization just because of just what phil's meant to everyone here and you know like i said when this when we do release when this comes out and everyone knows about it i think we'll see the overwhelming support start pouring in uh you know for us via social social media and i think uh, i think it's going to be very well received so i'm really excited to see yeah. to see all that the dc family will be very strong in supporting yeah. of this dc family DC well thank family. you very much the legend phil Schneer, right. for joining us and the legend continues thank it's all three of growing. you now can i go home and tell my kids yeah i have been <laughs> able to tell them <laughs> and thanks steve buckhands for joining us on the podcast all right whiz kids hope you enjoyed it ciao for now